Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to CBS News Roundup ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This is the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Coming up, President Biden announces a run for re-election despite low approval ratings. Let's finish this job. I know we can. Former Vice President Mike Pence appears before a grand jury investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election. There may be no better star witness. In the Kaleidoscope with Allison Key segment, a look back at the legendary Harry Belafonte's life and his activism. The patriotic citizen is commanded and demanded to raise his or her voice. I'm Allison Keyes in the Washington Bureau. I feel good. I feel excited about the prospects. And I think we're on the verge of really turning the corner in a way we have in a long time. That's President Biden answering a reporter's question about his re-election campaign, which he launched this week via video that could set up a possible rematch for former President Trump, who weighed in on Mr. Biden's announcement. You could take the five worst presidents in American history and put them together and they would not have done the damage Joe Biden has done. But how was the nation reacting to President Biden's bid for a second term? CBS's Linda Kenyon from the White House. Well, you know, the reaction was really quite clear at a White House press uh, conference earlier this week when he was asked about his age. And uh, he basically uh, threw it back and said, you know, my age is a number. Um, I, I can't even say it. He says it doesn't even seem real to me, paraphrasing here. Uh, but he said, I'm just going to ask the American people to you know, judge for themselves and to think if if I can do the job. He says, I am as I am all in, um, you know, my age uh, is not that much of a factor for me or for my family. I took it into uh, deep consideration while counseling with my family before I decided to run. And uh, I have no concerns about it. So, I mean, obviously, these are things that he had to say. Um, because the question about his age has been coming up over and over and over again. I will also say that his uh, closest opponent right now uh, from the Republican side of the aisle is former President Trump. And former President Trump is not that much younger than current President Biden. I wonder what you've been hearing from, you know, people that you know, political pundits. Are they thinking... What the heck? This guy is going to be 86 if he were to win a second term. Or are they thinking he really is the Democrats' best choice to hold on to the White House? I'm hearing from a lot of pundits and a lot of colleagues in this business are saying, essentially, well, 
uh, of course, it has to be Biden as the nominee because there aren't any real serious contenders right now uh, who are vying for the Democratic presidential nomination. There are a couple of uh, they deem uh, unserious contenders uh, who don't really have a chance at getting uh, the nomination. And so Biden is clearly the one. Now, this is not unusual for a first-term president to seek a second term. In fact, the incumbent is is pretty much expected to seek a second term, and it's very difficult to beat an incumbent. Not only uh, do they have the experience, but they have the bully pulpit. And uh, and that is, of course, one of the reasons why the former president was uh, very much uh, incredulous that he actually had lost the election and uh, had uh, begun to uh, fight it even before the election started. And really briefly, Linda, I know uh, Kamala Harris is again going to be his running mate. What are you hearing about that? Yes, uh, there seems to be absolutely no discussion whatsoever about not having Kamala Harris as the running mate. I will say, and again, uh, this is just talk at this point, but for those who are saying that uh, they are concerned about Biden's age, they are also saying that maybe what Biden is doing is getting a shoe in for a second term so that he can leave it to Kamala Harris should he decide not to fulfill an entire term for whatever reason. Again, this is just talk. He would never say this himself. Uh, but, you know, the pundits, the journalists, the uh, politicians, uh, the Democrats and the Republicans, if in all camps you are hearing that as a conversation that right now is a whisper but may actually become a little bit louder depending on how the presidential campaign progresses. CBS's Linda Kenyon. How are the polls looking? We turn to CBS's Jennifer DePinto, Deputy Director of Surveys, about our latest CBS News poll. Well, right now, overall, uh, the president has an approval rating of about 41 percent. It's been hovering in the low to mid 40s for the past year and a half. Uh, Biden began his presidency with an approval rating in the 60s, boosted by optimism about the COVID pandemic getting under control. His approval rating declined that summer amid the withdrawal of U.S. troops from Afghanistan and sagged a bit further as inflation rose. But it's now been in the low to mid 40s, uh, like I said, for the past year and a half or so. That's not a great place to start a re-election campaign, is it? Well, it's not too different. It's a little bit lower than what Barack Obama's was around this time. He was at 46%. And this is similar to what uh, the approval rating that Donald Trump had at this point. And, you know, the 2020 election was close. Um, Approval ratings, though, may not be as much of an indicator of election performance as, you know, they once were. Views of presidents have become like so much more partisan in recent years. And much of the election, like we say, will come down to turnout who can turn out their own voters. One of the interesting things I saw in the CBS News poll is that a lot of people think that things in the country are out of control and a fair number of them are blaming President Biden, are they not? Yes. Uh, Yeah, most people are not happy with the way things are going in the country. Seven in 10 Americans think things in the U.S. are out of control. And that's a tough environment for an incumbent uh, president. Now, the biggest factors we saw were the economy and the general state of U.S. politics. Uh, People across party lines felt that way. 
But Republicans and most independents who think things are out of control do point to the president as a reason. So as the campaign moves ahead, the president will need to convince many of these independents that he's the best person to lead the country. CBS's Jennifer DePinto. If you do any outdoor walking, you already know you could be taking your life into your hands. There's a new analysis of federal data on pedestrian deaths. It can be dangerous out there. A new report says pedestrian deaths on American roads have risen by more than 70 percent since 2010, from 4,300 to more than 7,300 in 2021. Trucks get the blame for much of the increase. Light-duty trucks are the most common culprit after cars, with those numbers more than doubling in an analysis of federal data by The Hill. One expert tells the digital media company it's a race to the bottom, with people buying larger vehicles to feel safer, but posing more of a risk to people on foot. Steve Kathan, CBS News. Coming up, the Florida feud over Disney. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. Former Vice President Mike Pence appeared before a grand jury Thursday investigating efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Pence testified for more than seven hours about the events leading up to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. It is really a, a grand jury that has been busy for months hearing testimony from former Trump administration officials. But never before in American history has a former vice president been compelled to testify about the president he served alongside. Former Vice President Mike Pence left the D.C. courthouse on Thursday after hours of testimony before the D.C. grand jury looking into January 6th and former President Trump's pressure campaign to overturn the 2020 election. Trump had leaned on Pence privately and publicly to stop the certification of the election in Congress, which he refused to do. And I hope Mike is going to do the right thing. I hope so. Trump, asserting executive privilege, tried repeatedly to stop Pence from testifying about their interactions on that day and the days leading up to the attack on the Capitol. But on Wednesday, an appeals court cleared the path for Pence to appear. To testify, in your view, about the private conversations you have had with President Trump. People can be confident that we'll, uh, we'll obey the law, we'll comply with the law. Now, with Pence moving closer to entering the race for the White House, his testimony could affect the legal and political fate of his potential rival. There may be no better star witness for the special counsel. Former federal prosecutor Scott Fredrickson says Pence's appearance could mean the grand jury's work is coming to an end. This is indeed probably the most significant witness and the most difficult witness to get into the grand jury. So 
one would think that the special counsel is very close to making his decision about whether to charge or not. Sources tell CBS News that Pence prepared extensively for this testimony, going over notes and details about the January 6th story with his lawyers, as well as the, the bounds of his testimony, what he could and could not say based on prior legal rulings. CBS's Robert Costa. That Air National Guardsman accused of posting Pentagon secrets online appeared in court this week. Wearing an orange jumpsuit, 21-year-old Jack Texera sat impassively, and his family left the detention hearing without comment. After his dramatic arrest this month, prosecutors allege investigators found a gun locker in his bedroom at his mom's Massachusetts home, and weapons including rifles, AK-style weapons, and a bazooka. The court documents accuse the Air National Guardsman, who held a top-secret clearance, of searching online about mass killings at a Buffalo supermarket, a Uvalde, Texas elementary school, among others, and posted disturbing comments saying he wanted to, quote, kill a ton of people. Five years ago, it's also alleged Texera was suspended from high school for talking about Molotov cocktails, guns, and making racial threats. It was given his alleged history. How did Texera pass the background security clearance? The Air Force and the Department of Defense are also taking a look uh, at security protocols and practices here. I think the, answer, the short answer to your question is we, we don't know. Texera's apparently threatening high school behavior was flagged to local police and initially blocked him from purchasing weapons. But that changed after Texera cited his position of trust in the U.S. government. After allegedly posting classified material on a social media platform, prosecutors accused Texera of smashing computers and a gaming console and telling others to delete all messages. The government says Texera began accessing highly classified materials in February last year, and not all of it has publicly surfaced and has the capacity to cause additional exceptionally grave damage to the national security. The Air Force temporarily suspended two commanders of the unit where Texera worked, stripping them of their access to classified systems. Further disciplinary action has not been ruled out, and prosecutors suggested more charges are possible for Texera, who already faces 25 years if convicted. Catherine Heard, CBS News, Washington. The feud between Florida's governor and Disney escalated this week into a court battle. Disney's lawsuit was filed just minutes after a board appointed by Governor Ron DeSantis nullified provisions that allowed the company to largely govern the land around Disney World. In its suit, Disney calls the board's decision patently retaliatory, patently anti-business, and patently unconstitutional. DeSantis has called Disney's opposition to the law out of line and while on a visit to Israel, addressed the suit. They're upset because they're actually having to live by the same rules as everybody else. They don't want to have to pay the same taxes as everybody else. And they want to be able uh, to control uh, things without proper oversight. The feud goes back to March of last year when Disney spoke out against the state's parental rights and education law which bans lessons relating to sexual orientation and gender identity in Florida classrooms. The controversial law, which previously only applied to grades K through 3, was expanded in recent weeks through the 12th grade. In Florida, gender ideology has no place in our schools, and if that means taking on Disney to make sure that's the case, we will do it. This is a lot about his image and how he's uh, perceived Republican primary voters. 
um, and they feel like this helps them. GOP political consultant Terry Sullivan doesn't see DeSantis backing down as the governor weighs a potential 2024 presidential campaign. But if he were to want to get to a general election and actually gets there, uh, what does it mean at that point? You know, you cross that bridge when you come to it. Disney is a heavy economic hitter in Florida. It's the largest taxpayer in the state, employs more than 75,000 people there, and is a major driver of tourism. The company projects it will draw around 50 million visitors to Florida this year. In comments at Disney's shareholder meeting earlier this month, CEO Bob Iger appeared to foreshadow the lawsuit. A company has a right to freedom of speech just like individuals do. The governor got very angry about the position Disney took and seems like he's decided to retaliate against us. I think there is something there to Disney's argument. CBS News legal contributor Jessica Levinson acknowledged DeSantis's claim that his administration is simply treating Disney as all other businesses in the state are treated. But she added this. It seemed like everything was fine in terms of how Disney was being treated until they started criticizing the government. That's where you get that freedom of speech claim. CBS's Manuel Bajorquez. Now to North Carolina, where partisan political alleged gerrymandering has gotten court approval. CBS's Jim Grisula with the latest. North Carolina's Republican-controlled state Supreme Court has thrown out lower court rulings that declare two redistricting maps illegal because of gerrymandering by Republicans, as well as a photo voter identification law over racial bias claims. The GOP-controlled North Carolina legislature could now have more latitude in drawing maps that favor their candidates. The court also reversed a ruling restoring the rights of convicted felons. Coming up, the latest from war-torn Ukraine. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. There were air alerts issued Friday for many portions of Ukraine, and officials were pleading with residents not to ignore them hours after deadly missile strikes. Death and destruction hundreds of miles from any active front line. A cruise missile tore into this apartment building in the central city of Uman. <laughs> we're covered in blood, wails a young mother. The children were sleeping here. It's good that everyone's alive. As she shows the burning crater outside, she swears at the Russians responsible. Such is the terrifying reality of life in Ukraine that nowhere can be completely safe, while Russian missiles indiscriminately rain down on its cities, killing civilians in their sleep. A number of young children are among the dead in a wave of pre-dawn attacks across the country. The capital, Kyiv, came under attack, too, for the first time in weeks, with officials saying air defenses shot down 11 missiles and two drones. Each civilian victim constitutes a potential war crime, says the UN head of human rights in Ukraine. If you look at the scale of the injuries, of the killings, of the, uh, of the destruction, it's very clear that international humanitarian law, the, the rules of, of war, have been broken and that war crimes have taken place. We've spoken to senior defense officials about that counteroffensive. They're obviously not giving anything away. It could happen anytime, also anywhere, along a front line that stretches for hundreds of miles. Charlie Daggett of CBS News, Nikopol, Eastern Ukraine.
Now to London, where King Charles will be crowned next weekend in Britain's first coronation in 70 years. A U.S. veteran from Georgia was among those who watched the celebration for Queen Elizabeth II in 1953. You can tell they have weathered over the years. The images may have faded, but Max Hancock's memories of Britain's last coronation are still sharp. At that time, I was... 19 years old. The Georgia resident was stationed in England with the U.S. Air Force in 1953 and remembers taking a train into London with his comrades on the day of Queen Elizabeth's coronation. And it was packed with people. There was a million plus people. A day of rejoicing for Her Majesty's subjects. Seeing that parade, seeing the enthusiasm, I knew I was seeing something special. One of my big memories is how joyful it all was. There was a lot of laughter. 90-year-old Joyce Lewis has photos from a coronation tea with her friends. People were expecting a really grand occasion, and a grand occasion it was. The climax of the ceremony has arrived. 81-year-old James Wilkinson had a front row seat for the crowning as a Westminster Abbey choir boy. When the Archbishop lifted up the crown on right up high and then lowered it onto the Queen's head, um, I knew this was going to be a, a thing I should never forget. It's a moment also seared into the memory of Prince Charles, who was just four at the time. Seven decades later, the 74-year-old will be crowned king. Tina Kraus, CBS News, London. Back in the U.S., the government is looking into a sad statistic in Alaska where two subcommittees on the Not Invisible Act met with leaders in Anchorage to ask for public testimony over missing and murdered indigenous people. It's the start of a conversation long overdue. What everybody is here to do today to discuss uh, one of Secretary uh, Holland's top priorities in conjunction with Attorney General Merrick Garland who helped set up this commission to address the longstanding issues of the MMIP crisis. After the Not Invisible Act passed into law in 2020, seven hearings across seven states are taking place. This week, Alaska. We have women that have been trafficked. We have stories. We have cultural stories that talk about our women being trafficked. Bringing members of a joint commission. I'm going to ask another question uh, for the panelists. To the same table as local panelists. Leaders on the front lines of a crisis plaguing our state identifying the problems with policies, resource services, and law enforcement. There was quite a few um, deadly use of force cases against Alaska Natives, and there was a great distrust between law enforcement in Fairbanks and the Native community and vice versa. The goal is to help focus federal efforts to combat the epidemic of missing persons, murder, and trafficking of Alaska Natives and Native Americans by hearing the honest truth of those who work directly with the survivors and families. Being truthful and acknowledging where those gaps are and saying those really painful things at time, but um, accountability and holding systems accountable while you're trying to do all of this is, um, there aren't words to describe that work. Um, so I hope we hear you, we hear you. And giving a voice to the victims the missing and murdered. That's KYES-TV's Carly Schreck. Two companies, including Maybelline, are facing calls for boycotts over their partnership with a trans influencer. 
Hi, long time no talk. How are you? Trans influencer Dylan Mulvaney's partnership with Bud Light sparked a nationwide backlash. Now she's posted to Instagram for the first time since the beginning of the month. I decided to take the back seat and just let them tucker themselves out. The 26-year-old says she's been trying to hold on to her faith, but she's still flummoxed. What I'm struggling to understand is the need to dehumanize and to be cruel. Numbers from the beer board show Bud Light's volume has declined by almost 35% at bars, restaurants, and other venues. Some have dropped the brand altogether. Deborah Rodriguez, CBS News. Everyone knows. Sharks are scary. Florida was recently named the shark bite capital of the world, but are people overreacting? Florida native Forrest Crook now looks a former fear right in the eyes. The 68-year-old is swimming just above a bull shark, shark snorkeling. When I decided to do this, it was one of those things that I thought, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, I'm not afraid. you got to get the right shark, the right conditions. Ryan Walton runs Shark Tours Florida in Riviera Beach. Hell yeah! Taking the curious and courageous straight to the sharks. People fear what they don't understand. Once people understand sharks and what sharks are about, it's easy to coexist with them. Fear of sharks is at least partly driven by headlines, like those proclaiming Florida the global shark bite capital. Last year, there were 57 unprovoked shark bites worldwide, 16 in Florida. Of all the attacks, five were fatal. The truth is you're far more likely to die by a lightning strike or be killed by a cow than from encountering a shark. Most of these bites aren't really dangerous at all. Marine biologist Mike Heithouse says shark bites are usually a case of mistaken identity. They see a hand flash and it looks like a fish that they might eat. Experts say you can minimize the risk of a shark encounter by swimming with a buddy closer to shore and avoiding the water at night. Advice Crook says he's followed each of the 14 times he's now been swimming with the sharks. Cristian Benavides, CBS News, Riviera Beach, Florida. Coming up in the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, activist Harry Belafonte's Truth. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Welcome to the Kaleidoscope with Allison Keyes segment, where every week we discuss issues including race. This time we're looking back at the life and career of legendary entertainer and civil rights lion Harry Belafonte, who died on Tuesday at the age of 96. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. We like come and we want go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. We like come and we want go home. Deo. He spoke about the Banana Boat song from his album Calypso, which became the first record in the world to sell over one million copies within a year. What's so wonderful about the song is that uh, not only do people love to sing it all over the world, but uh, it speaks about my childhood and it talks about a place in which I grew up in Jamaica. But Belafonte deeply believes that artists are the gatekeepers of truth. The patriotic citizen is commanded and demanded to raise his or her voice on issues that he thinks are to the best interests of the nation. Born in New York City in 1927, Belafonte served in World War II and told CBS in 1993 about the biggest influences in his life. The first he cited was another artist and civil rights pioneer. Paul Robeson, Dr. W.E.B. Du Bois, Lead Belly, a great Red folk belly. singer. Yeah, yeah, you know, guy out of prison. 
Belafonte used his voice, money, and celebrity to fight for social justice, and he was a friend and confidant of Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. I had listened to him, uh, completely fascinated with his view of struggle, his fear that he had taken on this task, and he was anointed with a responsibility he thought he was not quite prepared for. The man who was the first black producer to win an Emmy Award was asked by CBS in 2018 about being willing to risk everything for his beliefs. So even when the industry, the films and whatnot, abandoned me because of my politics, I just had an attitude that said, uh, you know, I have a constituency without you. And as a matter of fact, this constituency gave me a sense of uh, power. On the day Belafonte died, we spoke with National Urban League president and CEO Mark Moriel about his activism and the hero worship he inspired on a pre-COVID visit to the offices of the venerable civil rights group. Let me tell you, everyone who worked here wanted to take a photo with him. We took a group photo. He took individual photos. He was so alert and so strong. Uh, It was amazing because he is a legend a legend in many ways, a legend as an entertainer, but a legend as a social justice activist. And he will be remembered for that. Uh, he will be remembered for organizing other uh, other entertainers, other celebrities, other musicians, other actors to be a part of the civil rights movement in the 1960s. And of course, he maintained his activism throughout. Uh, his entire life and his entire career. So Harry Belafonte is a legend and we will miss him dearly. Uh, As they say, they don't make too many like him. uh, And he is one of a kind. I read somewhere that uh, Andrew Young said that Harry Belafonte was one of the few people he knew that got more radical as he became older. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. He became, yeah, he, he did not miss his words. He probably did get more more strident, but it was heartfelt and it was conviction. And when you get an opportunity to live and act on conviction, that's when you're living the truth. And he lived his truth uh, and he lived his truth for uh, the underdog. He lived his truth for black people uh, throughout his entire life. I have always been interested by his relationship with the late Dr. Martin Luther King. I I know that they were friends. I know that they spoke for hours on the phone. And Belafonte put together the benefit concert for the bus boycott, and then it just went on from there, right? And and he was with King all the way, uh, contributing money, helping to raise money, but also being a presence. Uh, I was uh, recently, can't remember, just a few days ago, uh, I was somewhere and saw a photo of Belafonte and Sidney Portier at the March on Washington in 63. I mean, they were legendary. They were at the top of their game, but yet they were willing to step out on civil rights and social justice. They were willing to take a risk. And that, to me, underscores why they, they're an inspiration to athletes and musicians celebrities and entertainers today who choose to use their voice on behalf of the cause of civil rights, social justice, and economic opportunity. I hear that he chastised some folk out there like Jay-Z and Beyonce for not 
you know, using their power in the way he felt they should have. And he also apparently criticized uh, former President Obama for not doing more than he did. And Harry Belafonte had a right and had the standing to challenge anyone. What? When did you first meet him? What was it like? Uh, yeah, I cannot remember. I want to say I met him in the 70s when I was young at a Congressional Black Caucus dinner. I went to a Congressional Black Caucus dinner when I was in college. And this was, boy, in the late 1970s. And he and I remember meeting Muhammad Ali and Arthur Ashe and Harry Belafonte and Sidney Poitier. Uh, you know, and then over the years, I would see him in New York. Uh, he maintained, a, you know, an active schedule and uh, was very active uh, on a range of issues. He was active, you know, on some some work uh, for justice for Haiti uh, and other things. And his activism extended way beyond the United States, didn't it? I mean, uh, didn't he coordinate Nelson Mandela's first visit to the yeah, U.S. He, when he, he got was out a of globalist. jail? He was a globalist. He was a Pan-Africanist. Uh, and, of course, you know, he was of Caribbean descent. So I think he lived and understood uh, the global dimensions of the fight for human rights, civil rights, and liberation. I wonder, sir, what you think his career, his commitment, and his long-term activism teaches to civil rights leaders like yourself and those that are following in your footsteps that are young and upcoming. Don't be afraid. Stand up, speak up, or shut up. For the people that are watching this on TV and they only know of him as a singer, they only know of him as an actor, what, say, a couple of things would you point to that they might not know about that they ought to know? As a singer or an actor, as an activist? No, I mean the people that are watching television, you know, the people in their 20s that don't know anything except about him as a singer. You know, the people in their 50s that don't know any about any of the rest of it. And don't start me on why they don't. But what thing would you point to that they should be paying attention to today of all days? Before there was Black Lives Matter, Sidney Bortier was Black Lives Matter. Harry Belafonte was Black Lives Matter. These gentlemen stood up at a time when it was far more difficult than it is today because they were risking and they were pioneers uh, when they were standing up for freedom. So I think for young people who don't know that it, it, it you know, it's hard to look for a, a comparable. I mean, Sidney Poitier was an Academy Award winning actor uh, and he's at the March on Washington and he's active in civil rights. Uh, Harry Belafonte was, a well-known singer and had done some acting himself and he is standing up. So young people of today should, should think about who your most prominent musicians are and they're standing up. It would be as though the musician marched during the George Floyd demonstrations in 2020 or comparable a musician of today would have done that or spoken out. That's, what it represents, but it was far riskier from a standpoint of the impact of their career. They could have been blackballed. That was Mark Morial at the National Urban League. Coming up, Gold Fever. That's next on the CBS News Weekend Roundup. Okay, it's time to commit. 
2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. On the CBS News Weekend Roundup. I'm Allison Keyes. Better saddle up, dog fans. Next week, 2,500 canines representing more than 200 breeds are set to participate in the 147th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show in New York. CBS's Bradley Blackburn has a sneak peek. They're known for being our obedient furry companions. Next week, these prized pups will become world-class athletes, vying to be best in show. The dogs that are, are going to be competing actually represent 48 of the 50 states, which is really incredible. We've also got 13 countries represented. This year's iconic Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show features 210 breeds, including friendly louchens like Corbel. This is what we call a hidden gem breed. They're a nice size. They're easy to care for. They're very smart. Other four-legged gems set to grace the stage include the pint-sized Tibetan Spaniel and the big and bubbly Newfoundland, known for its strength. The Bracco Italiano breed is eligible for the first time, meaning dogs like Elvira here could be this year's best in show. They're pretty heavy bone, heavy body, but when you see one out running, they are very elastic. The venue for the competition is also new. All the events will take place at the USTA Billie Jean King National Tennis Center, home of the U.S. Open tournament. If you're the top dog, you want to compete at Westminster. It is the Super Bowl of dog shows. And while only one canine can be crowned top dog, all of the dogs go home with the coveted title, Man's Best Friend. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. James Corden is wrapping up his eight-year stint as host of The Late Late Show to focus on his family. CBS's Danya Backus takes us through his joyous run. I'm James Corden and this, this is The Late Late Show. Roll the title! In 2015, James Corden came onto the late-night television scene a virtual unknown in the U.S. Eight years and some 1,200 shows later... Do you mind if we listen to some music? He's now redefined late night. Knowing that the end is near, what are the thoughts, what are the emotions? It's really hard. It's really hard to, to, to compute and take in. But I'm just trying to keep it together. From song parodies. Could you leave the TV on? I'm a stand. To epic rap battles. Because half the movies you make go straight to DVD. Crosswalk the musical. And carpool karaoke segments with global icons that became viral sensations. The show's groundbreaking impact is undeniable. Now, they're holding nothing back for the final broadcast and primetime special. Can you give us a little glimpse? Tom Cruise and I um, performed as um, Timon and Pumbaa in the touring production of The Lion King at the Pantages Theatre for Hakuna Matata. Of course, with eight years of memories comes reflection. What would you tell yourself eight years ago when you first started this show? I tell him just to enjoy it and to not ever take for granted that you, that you really are working with some of the best people you'll ever work with in your life because I'm gonna, that's the thing I'm going to miss the most. And what's next? I've no idea. I don't know. Say goodbye to it 
We did everything we came to do and more. One thing that is certain, the mark he's made on late night television. Donya Backus, CBS News, Los Angeles. But there's a 91-year-old man in Oklahoma who's proving you're never too old to live your dream. KOTV-TV's Caitlin Daggs tells us he is now the proud owner of a bait-and-tackle shop. Harold Hooper is known as a man who never sits still. But when he wanted to buy an old bait-and-tackle shop to keep it open, his family members thought he was crazy. When the previous owner couldn't keep the shop anymore, Harold decided to step in and run the place. This place has been here for 38 years. And this old man, I've known him all my life. And he started this sucker 30-some years ago. And he's kept it up until he got his health got bad. And I bought him out and took it over. With the help of some family members, the bait barn has been transformed into Hooper's Bait and Tackle. His granddaughter says it's been a good thing for him. He's active anyways. I mean, he's always fishing or hunting or he's at the, one of the local boomerangs eating. He does stuff with church or him and Charlie are off doing something together. I mean, he's never, ever been just home. She says Harold, who everybody in town knows as grandpa, has always been there for anyone who needed it. So this is her family's chance to be there for him. It's hard not to find somebody that doesn't know who he is or who hasn't done something with him or who hasn't worked with him or who hasn't worked for him or... You know, I mean, he's always done a lot. Even though Harold is passionate about all things fishing, it isn't the reason why he bought the shop. He wants to help his great-grandkids go to college debt-free. I wanted to make sure that she had a way through school and didn't have a debt hanging over half her life. My granddaughter, it took her about 12 years to pay for her student debt, and I didn't want that for my great-granddaughter. Jessica says she's so thankful to have a grandpa like Harold. It's, it's really neat. He's, he's a real special person. There's gold in them thar hills, thanks to some wicked weather in California. There's $750 worth of gold right here. That's metal detector expert Mark Dayton shaking a bowl and rattling the gold nuggets in it. He says in this historic gold country, the intense winter storms eroded rock from waterways, and it comes down really fast. It hits the banks and washes fresh dirt right off the banks and liberates new fresh deposits of gold right into the water. At the Placerville hardware store, third-generation owner Albert Fausel is ready for the fray. Time to go get some gold. Finally, you want to know whether you've made an impact in the world when not only does everyone know your name, but people on social media are raving about how you made it possible for them to get through their days and summer vacations. Jerry Springer, best known for his long-running talk show, has died of cancer at the age of 79 at his suburban Chicago home. Known for its outrageous brawls and dysfunctional guests, The Jerry Springer Show was an American guilty pleasure for decades, scoring high ratings for much of its 27-year run. Host Jerry Springer had this to say about the show's longevity in 2010. I'm not proud (laughs) Um, because what we're starting now is we're starting to get the kids of our original guests on. And this is wrong because these people were told not to procreate. Springer was born in London to German Jews who escaped the Holocaust and came to this country when he was five. In the 1970s, he served as a city council member and mayor of Cincinnati. But it was his salacious self-named television show that turned Jerry Springer into a household name. It was fascinating to watch, you know, people fight and and people, you know, argue over, you know, infidelity. And and, uh, it tapped into a part of the uh, national psyche that was untapped. 
We're getting down and dirty with our next story. Springer defended his critically reviled program as escapist entertainment and often told people tongue-in-cheek that his wish for them was that they may never be on his show. Jared Hill, CBS News. That's it for the Weekend Roundup. Thanks for listening. We want to get your thoughts and story ideas to Weekend Roundup at cbsnews.com. As always, you can find the program online on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Sarah Fishman is a technical supervisor, and Alan Peng provides production assistance. Tara Lipinski is the executive producer. Have a great week. I'm Allison Keyes, CBS News. If you like CBS News Roundup, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.